As we begin our time of worship this morning, we want to go to God in prayer. Will you pray with me? God, what an honor and privilege it is to be gathered into this house on Palm Sunday. As we read the story again of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a humble donkey. As we ponder what that means for us today, we pray that you would speak to us, open our hearts and minds to new things, particularly when reading a story that's so familiar, we can begin to glance over it, gloss over it, show us new things today, give us new insight into ways in which we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in Palestine and beyond for the rest of this year and moving into next. We thank you for this holy week, for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and of course for Easter Sunday that we are anticipating next week. But Lord, we're not there yet. We're still in Lent. There are still things that need to be done, things that need to be accomplished. And so we don't want to rest just yet. We don't want to celebrate just yet. Take us through the darkness, lift us into new places. Lord, we confess to you that uh, we have missed the mark this week. We have aimed for that bullseye in trying to be like Jesus, and we have missed it. And yet, you don't give up on us. You never give up on us. As Paul says, wherever sin abounds, your grace abounds more, and we're so thankful for that. But we just want to acknowledge to you today that we know we've messed up. We know that we have dropped the ball. We've left some things undone this week. We've said and done some things we shouldn't. We ask you to forgive us, to strengthen us, renew us in body, mind, and spirit so that we might be energized and recharged during this service particularly so that as we leave, we can be a light for Jesus once more. Lord, we also come with burdens on our hearts this morning. So many things that we want to lift to you. Uh, uh, particularly, I'm thinking about the storms and the tornadoes that just came through our sister states next to us and people dead and injured and homes lost. Lord, we lift them to you today. I know that there are other concerns among us, and so I'm going to open it up to the floor and let people call out the that are burdening them today. And as we say these, we ask that you would hear our prayer, and move on our behalf. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. 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 
Thank you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The band. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The victims in Tennessee. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Sharon Herschel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Our youth group. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. I also lift to you, Lord, all those like me who are suffering from springtime allergies. We thank you for the blooming of the trees, but we pray that the pollen would go away. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. I know there are probably other requests, Father, maybe some that are just too, too traumatic to even voice. And so I thank you that you search our hearts, you know the workings of our minds, that you know all about us, and that even when we can't say things out loud, Holy Spirit, you are interceding on our behalf. We thank you for that. We thank you for your goodness, for your love, that you are always answering our plea for help. We pray that we would be open to the ways in which you wish to do that today. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to invite Roy and the kids up. You all may be seated. All right. Come on down. We're going to have a good time. Y'all come on down. Anybody else? Where'd your sister go? There you go. Is that your sister? Is that who that is, Jake? It's Jake. Is that right? Yeah? Jay. Okay, I'm sorry. I got it wrong. Okay, I got to remember everybody's name. And I'm sorry, I've got to get over here, don't I? They told me I need to be over here. So um, tell me everybody's name. Kaylee and Jay and Journey and Superior. I love that name. That's pretty cool. All right, so guys, I want to ask you this question. If you were going to uh, celebrate a, a big event, I mean, you were going to make a big, big, big event, what would you do? What kind of things would you do? Throw a party, okay, what else? Decorations, okay, what else? What else? I mean, you're going to make it a big, boom, boom, you know, big thing. A what now? Okay, what else? Oh, monster truck rides, okay. What about fireworks? Anybody do fireworks? Yeah, yeah. boom, boom, fireworks everywhere. And, and what about music? Somebody play music? Yeah, somebody play music. A DJ, maybe, or, yeah. Or like a yeah, big, big stuff, right? If you're gonna make a, if you're gonna make a big parade, so, so we're gonna have Jesus come by. Jesus, we need you. Oh gosh, I'm Jesus. Yeah, this is Jesus. So Jesus is gonna come by. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Jesus, don't come by yet. Am they're I not ready. A horse? They're, they're, no, is he riding a horse? What am I? Am no, I he's riding, riding a bike. What am I doing? What's he doing? Well, how's he gonna come in? We're going to make a big deal, right? We're going to, we're going to make, Jesus is going to make a big deal because Jesus is coming in big, right? Because it's Jesus big. It's just, Jesus is big stuff, right? So Jesus coming. Are you going to come in big, Jesus? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to come in on a donkey. A donkey? How does a donkey go? 
Yeehaw! He's gonna come in on a donkey. Why don't you come in on a big? Why don't you come in on a big fancy horse? No. No. Why did Jesus come in on a donkey instead of a big fancy horse? <laughs> That's a good answer. Horses Wait a minute, Jesus, don't go away. Jesus, Jesus, you can't go away. Oh, sorry. Horses okay. weren't invented yet, Roy. So, yeah, they had horses. They had big horses, fancy horses, okay. wild horses, horses that said, this is the king. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus comes in on a donkey. Quiet. Humble. Do you know what humble means? What does humble mean? It means you're not going, I'm big stuff. Look at me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus came in quiet. Come in quiet, Jesus. Jesus comes in quiet on a donkey. Shh. Shh. Do you know what we all did when he came in on the donkey? We went, Hosanna! Wait, where's your palm leaves? I don't have one. He's got one. So that's what they did when Jesus came in because they were all excited. But Jesus came in quiet because Jesus comes in to change our lives, not, not to be a big, fancy, bold thing. Jesus comes in in a quiet way to help change our lives. It's a pretty cool thing. So let's pray together. Dear God, y'all pray with me. Dear God. Dear God. Help us. Help us. Watch for you. Watch for you. Just like you are. Just like you are. Not like we expect. Not like we expect. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come see us next week, okay? Yes. So today we are reading the story of Jesus coming in humble and riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. And the crowd's reaction. This is found in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. Listen now for a word from the Lord. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, 
It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did, and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, so Roy, uh, this week we we were talking about how some churches don't have Good Friday services. And so today, Palm Sunday, would actually be Passion Sunday. You would talk about the crucifixion of Jesus on this Sunday. Because if you go from Palm Sunday, no Good Friday, directly to Easter, well, then it's just like party to party, and there is no reason to party. You've got to have Good Friday in there. You've got to talk about the darkness so that you can appreciate what Easter is. And so we are going to have Good Friday services Six o'clock. I hope that you will come to hear that part of the story. I don't want you to hear uh, Palm Sunday and then Easter. Uh, I want you to hear, and we're going to talk about it more today uh, as I speak about these things. But today is Palm Sunday. It is the the day that we typically mark uh, this final week of ministry for Jesus on Earth. This is this is his final push as he moves toward the cross, and so he enters into. Jerusalem, as we've already said, on a donkey. And no doubt pastors all over the world today are talking about Jesus' intentional choice to ride in on a donkey. A lot of people think that he was making a political statement to Rome because while Jesus would have been riding in on one side of the city on a donkey, Pilate most likely would be riding in on the other side and he would have been on a great big war horse. And he would have been surrounded by his entourage and soldiers and trumpets blaring so that you know Pilate is in town. And so Jesus, making a mockery of Rome and its idea of power, comes in surrounded by poor people on a donkey. One preacher titled his sermon, I thought this was kind of funny, even though it's got a little cursing in it. It's just too funny. One preacher titled his sermon, Making an Ass Out of Rome. And I thought that was great, right? And so I could have talked about this uh, like everybody else, but as we kind of discussed um, this this whole story this week, we started on Monday at Breakfast Club, and then we kind of chatted throughout the week, and then we had a pint and barrel on Thursday night, and we're talking about this story. I was really struck by the word Hosanna this year. You know, people were... We're crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David. We sang a song a little bit ago, uh, Hosanna in the highest, when we take communion a little bit later. By the way, Ken, we will do full liturgy on communion at the end, okay? Just so you know. But anyway, we'll say in that liturgy, Hosanna in the highest. This word, Hosanna, I looked it up in Hebrew. It means save us. We're saved now. So essentially they're saying, save us, son of David. I I read one Jewish commentary and they said, look, you don't have to make it all all that. It's just Hosanna means help. Help. Help us, son of David. Help us, Jesus. 
help us. This is taken from 2 Samuel 14, this story of this woman that approached David and said, Help me, O king, for I am a widow, and my family is in turmoil, and they're fighting each other, and I am on the brink of being uh, completely overlooked in this whole scenario. Will you please help me, O king? And so this is coming, we move this into this scene today. Help us, O son of David. I thought about this, yelling help. What were they wanting help with? As they call this out, no doubt this is a, a form of praise. It's, it's moved into something else. I mean, it literally means help us, son of David. Uh, but they're praising too. Hosanna in the highest. This is a form of praise. But, but they were also asking for help. What did they want help from? I think it's pretty clear that some of them, at least, wanted help with the Romans. You see, the Romans had been occupying their territory and had uh, laid claim over them, were, were, were allowing them to exist as the Jews, allowing them to continue to meet in Jerusalem, allowing them to hold Passover, to continue to use the temple for worship. But it was always under the thumb of the Romans. And so I'm sure that they wanted help removing this thorn in our side remove the roman occupation remove the romans from our midst you know calling jesus the son of david was an extremely risky political move because by calling jesus uh, the son of david they were saying you are the prince and the rightful heir to the throne of david and so it's a counter to Caesar is Lord and King. These people were saying, no, we recognize Jesus as Lord and King. And so we want him to take up his throne and force Caesar out. Matthew tells us that others say, when the question is asked, who is this guy anyway? Other people say, no, 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 no. He is a prophet. This man is a prophet from Nazareth. In Galilee. Now, of course, the prophets were those who spoke out against corrupt power. They had the ability to unify a people, to form this faithful base of followers. And so I think for them, as they cry out, Hosanna to the prophet from Nazareth, they're saying, please unite us as a people and lead us in a revolt against Rome. However, all of these folks, whether they saw Jesus as king or prophet and hoped that they would be freed from Roman tyranny, their hopes were quickly dashed because Jesus did what none of them expected. He did not turn his anger and his authority toward Rome, but he turned it toward his own people, his own nation. Matthew tells us he marched straight into the temple courts and began to clear them out turning over tables, running the marketplace, the people who were selling animals, the people who were changing money from foreign currency into the local currency, drives them all out, chastising them for turning the holy festival of Passover into a circus. And I can imagine how frustrated and angry they must have been with Jesus in this moment. They're saying, Jesus, can't you see Rome is the bad guy? We had such high hopes for you. Why are you attacking us? We are not the enemy here. 
You know, I always kind of assumed that Jesus did this intentionally. This, this move to ride into Jerusalem and go straight to the temple to stir things up. That this was very intentional because Jesus has already told the disciples that I will be betrayed into the hands of sinners and turned over to the Gentiles and I will be crucified and on the third day I will rise again. Well, what, what better way to make sure that that comes true than to make a lot of people mad, right? You go into the temple and make a lot of people mad. It's one sure way that you'll get hung on a cross. And I think that's still a valid interpretation. But as I kind of thought about this word Hosanna and how these people are calling out Hosanna, I wondered, was this directly related, this move to go to the temple to clear it out, was this directly related to their cry for help as he entered Jerusalem? You see, these people had gathered in Jerusalem as they had been for thousands of years. Jesus had done this as a boy growing up. Every year, making pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Passover, this time when God rescued them from the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt. The time when their ancestors also called out for help. Help us, God. We are enslaved. We need you to remove the hand of Pharaoh. And God acted mightily through his servant Moses. And Passover was this holy, holy time, a time to remember the way God had responded to their cry for help, but also a time to renew their faithfulness as a people, to say, we want to renew our covenant. We want to be a faithful people because God has been faithful to us. But perhaps Passover had become too familiar to them, too romanticized, too sentimentalized. Perhaps much in the way that Good Friday and Easter has become for us. Easter now is a time when we have bunnies and chocolate eggs. And we have all these ways in which we celebrate Easter, which is kind of romanticized and nice and pretty and we don't stop to really think about what Good Friday and Easter means for us. I was doing my morning devotional a couple days ago and I came across a entry from Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning was a author, I think he was a priest, later in his life became a priest and influenced a lot of people, particularly with a book that he wrote called A Rag and Muffin Gospel. Uh, influenced um, musicians and, and folks that were struggling. He said that he would, in this entry, that in, my, in my morning devotional, he said, you know, I like to spend 20 minutes of prayer in the morning and in the night um, in, in quiet solitude in front of the image of Jesus hung on the cross. And he said, and I like to do this because this symbol, out of all the symbols, in Christianity, this symbol of Jesus bruised and battered and bloody is an icon of the greatest act of love in human history. And he goes on to say this, Lamentably, Christian piety has prettified the passionate God of Golgotha. Christian art has banalized unspeakable outrage into dignified jewelry. We wear crosses around our necks now. Christian worship has sentimentalized monstrous scandal into sacred pageant. 
We have corrupted our sense of reality by sentimentalizing it. Pious imagination, romantic preaching, and lifeless or raucous worship overshadow the real Jesus. The Christian should tremble and the whole community quake during the veneration of the cross of Good Friday. But organized religion has domesticated the crucified Lord of glory into a tame theological symbol. Interesting use of words there, domesticated. And he rode in on a donkey. We have domesticated the Lord of glory into a nice, pretty, tame theological symbol. Much the way I think Passover had become for the Jews of Jesus' day. You see, perhaps the help that they needed that day, they called for help to Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem, and he helped them, but not in the way that they expected. See, the help they needed that day was to remember what Passover used to mean to them. And maybe we need to remember what Good Friday and Easter used to mean to us. Matthew gives us a, a little nugget in there that nobody else mentions. Matthew's the only one who mentions it. He mentions this third group. We had the group that was calling help to the son of David. O king, take your throne and drive out the Romans. You had the, the second group. O prophet of Nazareth, lead us in a revolt against Rome. But there was a third group that was also yelling help, Hosanna, that day. Matthew tells us that once the temple court was cleared, that the blind and the lame began to approach him so that they might be healed. It's important because when David took Jerusalem with his army, they declared that no blind or lame people should be allowed in the temple area from that day forward. And so here Jesus is inviting the blind and lame. If the temple if Passover had become too romanticized, then Jesus would just have to repurpose it for something better. And we see Jesus turning the temple marketplace into a hospital ward. This is really important stuff. This is key, I think, to understanding how Jesus works in our lives today. Because whether you or not, we have uttered the Hosanna here today. The band played a song. In the first song, we said, Hosanna in the highest. Now, you may not have known what you were saying, but consciously or unconsciously, you have called out for help. And I wonder, what are you asking for help with today? Perhaps you're like so many people that I know, you say, God, help us, save our country. A lot of other people are saying, God, help us, save our church from cultural decline. The culture is coming in and taking our church from us. Help us. Some people, like the blind and lame, are saying, save me from me. Help me. And I wonder, how is Jesus responding to our hosannas this morning? What if Jesus doesn't help the way that we want Him to? What if 
instead of giving us what we're asking for, Jesus comes in to flip over the table of our comfortable lives to make space for the lame and the blind. How will we respond to that? Will we be like the chief priests and the scribes who became angry and indignant at Jesus? Or perhaps could we comprehend this is Jesus helping us the way that we need it most and submitting to that. You see, we have spent the last five weeks in this thing we call Lent, which I've been telling you over and over is preparation for Easter. That we can't just jump right to Easter. There's some things that we need to work out in our lives first. And so I've been talking about ways in which Jesus challenges us for introspection. Looking at your own heart and finding out things that need to be removed before Easter gets here. And we're in our final week here. Jesus has just rode into Jerusalem. And we have one final week to look at our hearts to ask that question, what needs to change in us? Are we trembling at the veneration of the cross of Christ? When we see the symbol of that love poured out on us, does it make us buckle to the ground in awe and wonder? Are we clearing space to make room for the least of these? Is our church right here, right now, is it a marketplace or a hospital ward? Is everyone included? Is the circle widened? I was trying to think of a, an equivalent of Jesus coming in on a donkey 2,000 years ago. If he came in, what might he ride in on? And I thought, well, an equivalent might be a 1979 Ford Pinto. Do we have a picture of a Pinto? If Jesus pulled up in our parking lot today in one of those and walked in this door as we're waving our palm branches, would he chastise us or would he applaud us? Folks, I think God has proven himself to be a God who responds to our plea for help. It just may not be in the way that we imagined. And when God responds, when Christ responds to our pleas of Hosanna, it may be in ways that make us a little uncomfortable, maybe a little mad. The question is this Lent, can we receive with gladness the help that Jesus gives? I hope that this Lenten season has been helpful for you. It's been good for me. I've learned some things about myself. And I still have things that need to change, but Easter's right around the corner. I can't affect, I can't, I can't push off Easter any longer, right? It's around the corner. Maybe you feel the same way. But I hope that there have been some things that God has uncovered in yourself, things that you recognize now that you want to change and that you want to continue to have change. Easter's just around the corner. Are we ready? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of Palm Sunday. We thank you for this most holy week. We thank you for the opportunity to examine our hearts, to ask the tough questions of ourselves. 
we invite you as we call out help, and maybe we don't even know what we are asking for help with. We just know we're saying Hosanna. That as you respond to that in whatever way is best and necessary for us as individuals and for the whole as a collective, that we would submit to whatever that help looks like. If you need to clear some stuff out to make a hospital ward, we ask that you do that. If you need to uh, wake us up that, that Easter has somehow become too familiar to us, that we are not quaking in awe at the love that you have displayed in front of us on the cross, then do whatever needs to happen in our hearts to make that happen. Because it is only when we realize what you have done for us that we will then be strengthened to go out and tell the world about it. And so we ask you to do that. Help us in the ways that we need to be helped. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's uh, form a big chain through this whole place. And as you depart for this final week of Lent, as we head toward Good Friday and Easter Sunday, will you receive this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. Guess what? We're going to make some mistakes this week. Because we always do. But it doesn't change how God feels about us because, thankfully, God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in God's very nature. God is love. So that when He looks at us, He says, Y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And I think that if you can believe just an ounce of that message today, it would change everything this week. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace.